1: Hello, I'm Michael Shepherd, and welcome to the Adoption Chronicles. I'll be bringing you weekly episodes where everyday people share their stories of adoption. Brace yourself, because not all of the stories you will hear will be Hollywood happy endings. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be inspired by the courage and the, from the everyday people sharing their stories with you. No two stories are the same, and you'll come away with a better understanding of adoption and the open secret that we all share. You will hear from the adopted children as well as the adopted and birth parents. We also talk to adoption DNA angels that help people find each other. And in this episode, we are talking with Penny Matthews. Welcome to the show, Penny.
2: Thanks, Mick. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here.
1: Very, very happy to have you. Um, so you've got a very, very interesting story um, that we're looking forward to sharing with, with the people um, where does your story start?
2: Well, I guess I should start in the beginning that for me, which was um, that you know, for a very, very early age, as, as with many adoptees, I knew that I was adopted, my, yep. me and my younger brother. And by the time I was about five years old, I understood what that meant. That yep. um, Somewhere out there, there was a lady who'd given birth to me. Um, at the when I was little, it wasn't really a big deal. There was another family of adopted kids at the same little school that I went to. Okay. Mum and dad had some friends with some adopted kids a bit older than us. And I even had a cousin who was adopted. Cool. So I didn't usually be like a freak like some people, I think, have experienced. Yep. And mum and dad were always really careful to tell us that we were special. But I was always still curious about my origins. Yes. Um, When mum and dad were selected to adopt me, one of the reasons they were given that they wanted, um, that the adoption agency selected them um, to be my parents was that they had said that they would give me lots of opportunities for education because my parents were supposedly well-educated, intelligent people who, and that I would potentially benefit from that. Yep. And mum had a university degree in science, which... You know, for someone who um, grew up in the 30s and 40s was, was fairly unusual mm. um, back in the day. So um, I think they saw her as being a really good fit for me, and, and that proved to be the case. Cool. So I was born in the Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne, not far from Melbourne Uni, and I grew up imagining that my birth parents were probably poor university students who fell in love but couldn't get <laughs> married because they needed to finish their studies and start their careers. Yeah. So this is kind of the fantasy that I I carried around with me for quite a long time. So, you know, I had a a reasonably happy childhood, but um, I did have to say, like, again, like many adoptees, I didn't really feel quite like I fitted in in a lot of places. And while I adored my mum and got along with her very well, we didn't really have a close extended family, didn't see much of them. Cousins were a lot older than us. Right. So... And I always just really longed to meet people that looked like me, you know, that I was related to. Yep. And, you know, I would look at women in the street and wonder if one of them was my biological mother. Mm. And and so I carried that around with me. And things started to change in 1984. Um, I was living in Victoria, being born in Victoria. And in 1984, as many of you know, um, they changed the laws about adoption. Um, I was 19 years old, so I was old enough then to apply to to get my paperwork, uh, which I did, um, which was pretty nerve-wracking, I must say.
1: Yeah, so that all happened Um, right at the time where you were eligible too.
2: Yes, yes, the timing was was great. Um, I waited about three years to get it. Like There were so many people who wanted that information. Mm -hmm. It was a really long waiting list so i remember eventually getting it i had to go through like a phone interview and be counselled about it before they would give it to me but eventually i got it and it listed my birth mother's name yep which um you know i hadn't seen before so that was pretty exciting and my birth mother listed as deceased
3: oh, that's
1: a shame. which was
2: absolute kick in the guts yeah. I can tell you the other Surprise! Out of all of that, is that my birth mother's home address was in New Zealand. Oh, so it turned out I was half Kiwi. There you go. Which was, you know, quite a surprise. I hadn't expected that at all.
1: Yeah. So, um, did you grow up sporting, uh, loving of sport, or more academic, or
2: definitely the academic type? Yep. Um, they were certainly right about that. That I was the academic type of child, and and I certainly did. Um, take advantage of the education opportunities that mum and dad put my way Uh, i went to um, a boarding school in ballarat and i went on to melbourne university and did a science degree just like mum did right Mm. so
1: i guess the sporting connection with new zealand didn't really did uh, (laughs) (laughs) ignite any passions (laughs) there
2: no, definitely not.
1: <laughs> no worries. So, so uh, of um, yeah, course, so... this
2: was back in the um, eighties, and yep. you know, all before internet and everything. Um, yes. Um, I always been interested in genealogy and knew quite a bit about it. Um, my mum, my mum, adopted mum, had a very his, interesting family history going right back to the first week. So right. I knew a bit about it, but tracking someone in New Zealand was, you know, outside. Mm. My, Out of my depth, I have to say. So I ended up paying a genealogist in New Zealand to help me um, find my birth mother searching uh, New Zealand records. Wow. You know, it was all paper back then. Yeah. Eventually, um, she discovered that my birth mother had married an Australian about Uh nine years after I was born. She was living back in Australia in Hobart. Uh And um, it was pretty weird because once I had her name, all I had to do was go to the local uh, post office and look her, Uh, phone number and address up in the local, in the white pages. Yeah,
3: true.
2: So once I had the name, it was as easy as that.
1: And were there many copies of her name? Or was she pretty much by herself with her name in the pages? It was
2: because her husband's name, she was listed um, with his initials and her initials. Ah. Uh, So there was no doubt about it being the right one. And the the name was, it's not a particularly unusual one, but an unusual spelling. So uh, it was... Quite, and Hobart's not a particularly large place, no. certainly not back then, and so it was it was not not difficult to I know that I had the right person. Yeah.
1: So once you have on. her name and contact mm-hmm. details, there looking at you, what type yep. of emotions were going through your mind? Were you nervous? Oh, I
2: was. I was scared, excited, yep. elated. Every all of those feelings, you know, which I, I recognised that if she'd come all the way from New Zealand to Melbourne for me to be born, I was probably a secret. Mm. Probably, if not her immediate family, then certainly all her friends and more distant relations. Yeah. Because, you know, that's going to a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, So I wrote to her. I eventually wrote to her a very, very carefully worded letter along the lines of you know, this is who I am, I was adopted, I was born on this date in this hospital, I think you may know my mother. Yep. Um, and if you do, you know, would you please write back to me? That kind of yeah, yeah. approach so that anyone could read that. Yep. And she could deny knowing anything about it if she wanted to. Yeah. Well played, um, I have to say. So, and it worked. Yeah. And she wrote back to me. It took about six weeks for her okay. to write back to me. Yep. So... That was also fairly nerve wracking, um, but I was yeah very grateful that she did, and it and, was yeah, it was a lovely letter that she wrote to me. Nice. Um, and I was right; I was a secret. Not right. even her parents knew about me. Wow. She had um, become pregnant while working in Australia. Yep, and had gone back to New Zealand, then realised that she was pregnant and come back to Australia for me to be born, uh, but her parents thought she'd come back for work again. Right. So she'd never told them. She'd never even, she, she'd she married about, as I said, nine years after I was born and she had a son. Yep. Um, so I had a half sibling. Yes. So that was exciting, but uh, she'd never even told her husband about me. Right. He was a lot older than her. She was his second wife and she told me that she tried to tell him on their wedding night. Right. But that he just brushed her off and said, we both have past, we don't need to talk about it. Right. And, and she never, ever tried again.
1: Okay. So does that mean that you've, have you met her at all or you just...
2: I've met her once. Yep. Um, the 28th of April, 1990, which is 32 years ago, if you do yep. the maths. So yep. I, I was... Just turned 25, and I was planning to get married myself. Um, And, yeah, she'd come to Melbourne for a school reunion, I think it was, or reunion with some school friends anyway. And so she was able to find a spare day in her itinerary for me to come to Melbourne and and meet her. And we had lunch together and the afternoon together, and she showed me photos and told me, told me, a bit about my birth father, but she wouldn't tell me his name at that time. She was afraid that I would rush off and yeah. find the family and, and of course, they didn't know about me either. Mm. And she told me that his parents were very, very religious and, and that they would be very shocked and disapproving yeah. that um, the had fathered this child myself. So she wouldn't tell me his name then, but yep. six months later when I did get married, she wrote me another letter in which she did tell me his name right. and a bit about him. Okay. And I discovered that he'd been um, actually a married man. Oh. Um, and that they'd had a, a brief love affair. Yep. Um, when she, This was in outback New South Wales. His wife had gone to Sydney to have their second baby. Right. Back to her parents. And while she was away, uh, he'd had this affair with, with my birth mother. Yep. And that um, I'd been conceived. And then a couple of weeks after I'd been conceived, uh, he was killed in a oh, head on car crash. Wow. Uh, on the dirt road, driving to see her from where he lived. Wow. Um, which was, yeah, pretty horrific. And she was just absolutely devastated by of that. Of course. It was the most devastating thing that ever happened to her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is tragic.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, that was all quite quite shocking and, and sad Yeah, and um, quite a bit to, you know, take in.
1: Yeah, and, But it also meant yeah.
2: that I discovered that I had two half-sisters out there as well the a half-brother mm. who, who didn't know about me.
1: Do they still not know about you?
2: Well, I'll come to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Uh, she didn't, as I said, she didn't want me to get in touch with my birth father's family. Yes. and um, So I, I was in contact with my birth mother by letter and, and email when email came along for the next eight years or so. Yeah. And I became, in, I have to say, increasingly anxious about wanting more contact with her and wanting her to meet my two children. Right. Um, her beautiful granddaughters. Yeah. who have come along since we'd first met. You know, I thought that was not unreasonable. Yep. And... Um, I have to confess, I got a bit drunk one New mm. Year's Eve, uh, I think it was in 1998, it was a while ago, and yep. I emailed her saying that we were thinking of coming to Tassie for a holiday, and I wanted her to meet my family, and I asked her again to tell her family about me, Yep. and of course, emailing when you're drunk is never a good idea, no. and it did not end well, mm. so the reaction I got to that email was, was very negative, Yep she was no way she was ever going to tell them about me. And um, and um I think she was just terrified I was going to show up at the house or yeah. something, you know, because I knew where she lived. I had her address. Yeah. I could have. Um, and as a result of all of that, I came to the realization that she was never going to tell them, you know, she'd been yeah. making excuses that, Oh, my brother was too young. He wouldn't stand and yeah. all this sort of stuff. But, but, you know, he was older now and, I could tell she was just never going to tell them and that I was never going to be a bigger part of her life. Yeah. And I was never going to get to meet my half brother and and I was really really hurt by all of that.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: Yeah, and I stopped writing to her and when and she stopped writing when I stopped replying because and I think it just it hurt too much for both of us. Yeah. You know, it was just all too hard. Yep. Too emotional. I I just couldn't deal with it. Yeah. yeah it, it, I was also going through other things at home and the kids and with you know, just life in general, you know, it was yep. challenging and and I just didn't need that on top of everything else. So I stopped.
3: Fair enough.
1: Yeah. And
2: I think she was the same. She found it found it painful. Yep. When so... she wasn't prepared to, to face up to the embarrassment and the shame that she felt. Yeah. And deal with that.
1: And um yeah. Yeah, it's a pity that uh, mm. that's that's an emotion that she felt. Um, however, things move on from there. Um, they do indeed. So how how did things progress from there?
2: Well, once I'd stopped being in contact with her, uh, it was around the same time that internet genealogy became a thing. Right. And I started hunting for my birth father's family.
3: Yeah.
2: And... Of course, back then when we started doing genealogy on the internet, there were no rules like there are today about not publishing the names and details of living people. Right. And I came across a family tree that was very detailed and matched all the information that my birth mother had given me about my birth father and his family. And I eventually made contact with this tree owner whose um, wife turned out to be like a third or fourth cousin of mine. Wow. And he the members of the my, you know, immediate family. So I told him my story because I knew he didn't know anyone and he yep. was really intrigued um, by it. And a couple of years later in two thousand and one he let me know that my father's mother had recently passed away. And knowing now that both of my birth father's parents were were um, gone, I felt it seemed like the right time to start making contact with the family.
3: Wow. It felt yep.
2: like a, a turning point. Yeah. So, and I was still not, you know, still not in contact with my birth mother, and, and I was really keen to meet my, particularly my two half sisters. Yes. So, again, the phone book came out and I um, rang my aunt. Right. Out of the blue on a Saturday afternoon, <laughs> mainly because she was like, I knew where she was and she was easy to find in the phone book again. Yeah. And uh, I was extremely nervous, as you can imagine, okay. but luckily yeah. for me, she remembered um, my birth mother crying at the funeral of right. my birth mother. Okay, she um, was apparently very, very upset, and she, you know they were all there, and uh, and so it was, it was, you know, quite clear in her mind. And as soon as I said her name, she believed me. Right. It just for her, that all fell into place. But the trouble with my aunt was that um, she she's a bit of a little bit controlling at times, and mm-hmm. she didn't want to put me in contact with my sisters. Right. And she didn't want to upset her former sister-in-law. And yeah. She didn't want to upset the apple cart or, or tarnish her baby brother's um, reputation in the family, you know. He, yep. he He was their little brother, and he'd been killed when he was only 23, and um, he, you know, had been idolised by all of them, and the last thing she wanted to do was, you know, to, I guess, change that particular legend in the family. Yeah, so of course. She didn't want to tell anyone. Yep. Um, until she was kind of forced to because her husband said to me, he said, oh, your sister husband is in the same line of work as you are in the food manufacturing industry. He's a, he's a technical manager like you are. Yeah, right. Um, and he mentioned his first name, Sebastian. And I said, Sebastian? You don't mean Sebastian de Jong, do you?
3: No and way. you should have
2: seen the look on their faces. You should have seen it. It was extraordinary. They were absolutely shocked because I'd met Sebastian the year before at a conference. Wow. And I'd sat with him at lunch and he told me all about his family and we got along really well. Yeah, okay. Wow. And so after that, she couldn't really keep me from um, my sister. And it was not long after that that I got a phone call from my sister Kate. Yeah. Um, and we talked for a really long time. And that was we a very, very happy. Moment for me.
1: Oh, that's good. So yeah. how how was she, I guess um, she was told by your auntie or yes,
2: yeah, she she right. told her after um, I, I didn't actually attempt to make contact through Sebastian. I could have, but I, didn't. Yeah. Um, I let Lois and tell her. Yeah, and Kate was wonderful about it. She um, she had no doubt at all that it was true. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it all made sense to her and, yeah, we got along very well. Um, My other half-sister was living in London and she, um, I emailed her hoping that, you know, we could also uh, get along and meet, but she didn't really want to have contact with me out of respect for her mother. Right. She felt that this story sullied her mother and um, didn't... Out of respect for her, she declined to have contact with me, which I was a bit sad about. Yeah. But uh, Kate was wonderful, and she flew down from Sydney to Melbourne to meet me, and she met me on my 37th birthday. Oh, nice. Which is now 20 years ago, and, right. yeah, we got along really well. Nice. Yes. Though I have to say I I, uh, I was a little disappointed because I didn't think we were as alike as I expected us to be. Right. Um, whereas the other sister in London, I'd seen photos her and I thought she looked a lot more like me right. than um, than Kate does. So it was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> still haven't really quite got what I'm after, which is someone who looks like me and is more like me. Yeah. But anyway, we got along well, and I've just figured that Kate, you know, she took after her mother, and I took after. Her. I know I take after my mother a bit as well, so right. I figured that that was why we didn't really look so much alike.
1: Fair enough, too. And mm. did you? How close? Were they to the picture that you'd formed in your mind over all those years as well?
2: Oh, uh, well, I knew so little about them. That it was hard to say, uh, you yeah, know, what I was expecting. Um, I guess in some ways very close uh, yep. to what I'd hoped for. Uh, I mean, Kate's lovely. She really is. Yeah. Um, and she's very warm and caring and generous person. And, and you really you couldn't ask for a better sister. Cool. Mm.
1: That's what you want. That's a perfect outcome.
2: It is, yes. yes. And then uh, two years later, I think it was, I um, received a letter from my uncle Don in Queensland. Right. Now, this is my birth father's older brother. Okay. Now, my aunt, as I say, being being as she is, she hadn't told Don about me. Oh. Um, again, um, Don being... Also, religious like his parents had been, mm-hmm. and still, you know, in the religion. But, um, and she'd been afraid that he would, you know, just disapprove and say hurtful things, right? So, she hadn't told him, but he'd heard about me from their other brother and eventually basically bullied the other brother into giving him my address right. because Don was actually delighted to find that his younger brother had failed another child and he was very, very keen to get to know me. And, okay. uh, and he was lovely. He cool. was absolutely not anything like the way Lois had painted a picture of him to be. Yeah. Very keen to get to know me, And we got along very, very well. He was smart. He was he would tell me stories. He told me all about his kids. He has uh, four children. Yeah. Um, my cousins. And he wrote to me regularly. He emailed me regularly. We must have exchanged, I don't know, a couple hundred letters and emails over the years. And, but being up in Queensland, he was up in Harvey Bay at that time. Yep. And I was living in country South Australia at the time. Right. And it was just, you know, the thought of, by then I was, I was divorced and supporting my family and yep. the thought of, you know, getting up there was just all too hard. Yeah. Um, but as I say, we were in lots of good communication. He even sent me CDs that his son Randall had made. His son Randall was a professional musician, plays okay. Um, fiddling guitar, plays a lot of trad uh, Irish music and a bit of bark And I just loved all that sort of music. I cool. thought it was great. Yep. And then Randall even used to call me up sometimes for a bit of a chat. And I used to, and I saw photos of his sister Jane and I look quite a bit like Jane. So that was exciting. Yeah, nice. Mm, so it went on like this. For, uh, 2014, I think it's the next date that comes to mind because that's when I finally did get north to Queensland and meet Uncle Don and all his family Uh, and that was just great Uh, so that I think that's what about 12, 11 or 12 years after I first heard from Don back in when he first found out about me.
1: How did all that go? Uh,
2: It went really well and I got along with them really well and I stayed with them and I stayed with um, cousin Jane up in Rockhampton and I met uh, Randall and his two kids down yep. at uh, Coolum Beach. Uh, they came up to be- meet me and yeah, we all got along really well. And, and they told me lots of stories about my birth father and, and uh, it was, I really finally felt like I was becoming part of the family. Oh. Yeah, Up until that point. Yes, I'd had contact with my auntie and in um, Port Pirie, and yes, contact with my sister Kate. But we, you know, everyone was so far away.
3: Yeah,
2: didn't get to see people much. And uh, but to spend a couple of weeks with this family, you know, all different parts of this family, after having had such a long, you know, letters and email communication with them, I really started to feel like I was belonging somewhere, which was a first. Yeah, right. Uh, And that was really special. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And has communication continued with those guys?
2: (laughs) Certainly has. Excellent. So, the following year, um, Randall got in touch with me again saying, you know, he was with his dad at the time and they'd been talking about me and that his dad would very much like to see me again. Right. And so would Randall. And I thought, yes, too. So, I booked a flight for the Melbourne World Cup weekend and... uh, went up to stay with uncle don and his family again and uh, randall came up as well from brisbane yep and without sort of putting too much of a, a point on it and randall and i fell in love oh yes and we got married a year later right on congratulations in 2016 yes and i have to say it was it was just so natural, you know. We were already family. We we had no secrets. I've been hearing about all Randall's escapades for the last, you know, fourteen years, and yep. uh, and we had this this thing where we we thought that we both inherited the same kind of mindset. That you know we had this genetic relationship that meant that we understood each other better than anyone else had. Yep. And uh, and we just got along so well. Right. So it, it really worked.
1: Nice.
2: So. Then comes the fun part.
1: Now it gets fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So um, two years after we got married, um, I said to Randall, why don't we do our DNA? Find out just how much we've got in common. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. Famous last words. Famous last words. Got our results a few weeks later, and as you've probably guessed by now, we were shocked to discover we had absolutely no shared matches and no shared DNA. Wow, yes. And I had all these names of people on my list of matches that I'd never heard of, all these surnames that I was like, Who the hell are they?
1: Right, and I guess this starts the next chapter too, doesn't it?
2: Very much, very much, yes. So I spent The next two days, uh, going through my matches and working out, well, if Colin wasn't my birth father, then who was? And figuring out the answer to that question. Now, this is before I knew anything about Adopted in Australia and before Diane Cuff and before I knew anything about the tutorials. Yep. But the method I used was essentially the same principle because one of the things I studied at the university was genetics and now you don't have to have studied genetics to be able to do DNA, but it certainly helps. Yep. And, uh, I know, and having done a lot of genealogy as well, I had a pretty fair idea of how to go about it. Yep. So I was able to put my matches together and work out that my birth father had to be one of six boatman brothers from Bega in New South Wales. Wow. And which was I can tell you quite quite a surprise. Yeah. Uh, so I got in touch with one of once I'd worked that out i got in touch with one of the cousins through Facebook, which obviously is not the ideal way of doing it. Yep. But I um I knew that all of the brothers were deceased. Right. So that's a shame. There wasn't ever going to be a chance to meet my birth father. Yep. Um So, you know, probably less risky an approach than uh, it would be if I was trying to make contact with a birth father who was still alive. So anyway, I got in contact with a cousin and she put me in contact with her father and that turned out to be very, turned out very well um, because he was really, really helpful and he knew the family really well, obviously, and uh, we were able to narrow down which one of the Bateman brothers was my father. Right. And, of course, though, I um, still wasn't in contact with my birth mother at the time. Yep. So I couldn't very well ask her, but um, we were fairly confident that we knew that it was Robert Bateman.
1: Right. Did that make you want to touch base with your birth mother?
2: Well, it did, Uh, of course. I wanted to ask her and I felt I couldn't. But luckily for me... um, I'd also had come up as a close match. One of my cousins on her side of the family, right? Which I have to admit, when I did my DNA, I didn't really think about that as being a possibility because she had one brother, and so there, and there were only three kids. Yeah. So I only had three first cousins on that side of the family. Right. And I didn't really expect that one of them would have tested, especially when you know their family trees are. I knew that they were well-documented because both my birth mother and her sister-in-law were heavily into the genealogy. Right. So I really hadn't prepared myself for that. And then when I saw my first cousin on my list of matches, um, I also saw that he hadn't put a tree up and that he hadn't logged into his ancestry account for over a year. Right. So I was kind of like pretending it hadn't happened and hoping that, you know, he wasn't going to see me and, Nothing come of that, but of course it did. He he logged into his account one day yep. and saw that he had a new first cousin who he had no idea who that was. Right. And um, rang his auntie Colleen and said, "What the hell, who man? yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and so my poor birth mother had to had to tell him the story uh, in the greatest of secrecy. Right. Of course. And of uh, course. Uh, I swear, yeah. You know, so i sure guess, he never told anybody else. So and, of course, then got in contact with me extremely cross that I yeah. had done my DNA and put her in this position.
1: So I guess that kind of begs the question because mm-hmm. there are a lot of situations where adopted children are secrets. Mm. For argument's sake, if that child does a DNA and their biological cousins or half-siblings mm. do their DNA... Mm-hmm. Then they all show up.
2: Well, that's right.
1: There's no that's filter. Sure.
2: And yeah, this happens all. Yes. Wow. You, you can, of course, hide your matches. Or, or you, you know, if you go in there, you can disable it so that people can't see you, but then you can't see them either. Right. Which kind of defeats the purpose. Does. It works both ways. Yeah. So, if you're wanting to use your. Uh, DNA you know match results to help you work out your ancestry, then that is the risk that you run and yeah um,
1: there are no more secrets
2: yeah, that's right it's it's especially if there's not many cousins you know in a family where it's a big family and there's lots of cousins, it's a little easier to get away with, but yeah, in this situation where my birth mother only had one brother and three nieces and nephews. Uh, mm then it was must have been fairly obvious to my cousin that of what was going on which is why he contacted her
1: yeah, yeah. and did um, that confirm I guess the new news the new evidence of your birth father
2: no but well yes it allowed me to then have that conversation with her right. and tell her that oh by the way my hmm. results also showed that the man you told me who was my birth father wasn't my birth
1: and was she shocked And at that? so it
2: turned out that uh, not only was she in love with my birth, with the man that she thought was my birth father, but that um, back in Sydney in the same block of flats where she was renting a flat when she wasn't working in the outback, uh-huh. um, there was a, a very nice boy that she was quite fond of. Right. He also had a flat. Right. In this block of flats. And his name was Bob. Right. She couldn't remember his surname, but she knew him as Bob, which, you know, short for Robert, so. yeah. I got my confirmation that Robert Bateman was my father.
1: That's some serious um, investigative work there.
2: <laughs> so that it really did turn my world upside down. There, yeah. spending you know, fifteen odd years embedded in this family that turned out not to be my family, uh, and then and married to someone who I thought they had this genetic you know, relationship with, it. absolutely. We were just kidding ourselves. We just get along really well. Yeah. You yeah. know, now, I'm happy to say that Randall and I are still in love and still married Excellent. and still getting along really well. And Beautiful. Yeah, um, this this didn't change anything for us. Yep. Um, But it uh, yeah, made still... us realise that we were yeah. kidding ourselves, that's for sure.
1: Do you still maintain contact with um, that family?
2: Well, of course, because yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a daughter-in-law. Absolutely. You know, I'm... I'm... Yeah, I'm still part of the family. Yep. So the my sisters who's not
3: oh, of my course. sister
2: yes. is my cousin in law, except yes. that she's still my sister because yes. you don't spend twenty years being sisters with somebody and then no. stop.
3: True. And
2: and it was lovely because that was actually the thing I was most worried about when this yeah. all came out was how do I tell Kate that I'm actually not her sister after all?
3: Yeah.
2: And we rang her and told her and Sebastian and Um, And they were actually great about it. And she sent me a card afterwards um, and it said something along the lines of, you know, to my sister by another mother and father. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) So that's how we are. Sisters by another mother and father. Yep.
3: Excellent.
1: And
2: uh, we we just recently caught up in Canberra and spent the weekend together, um, the four of us. And it was, yeah, lovely. Really lovely. That was the first time I'd seen them after all the COVID lockdowns. Yep. So that was great. Oh, very cool. Mm,
1: so, so all this DNA so searching. I contact with my mother. Yes, sorry, sorry. go ahead.
2: Uh, and and I have been ever since. Right. So That that renewed our relationship. Cool. And We're still back to emailing and talking. She still, of course, isn't prepared to tell my half brother. He still doesn't know I exist. So. Right. And I realise that she's just never going to. And um, I'm a lot more at peace with that now and a lot less anxious than I was when I was younger, uh, which I think has helped our relationship a lot.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um,
2: Yeah. And also got a whole new um, family, which I've been getting to know these last couple of years, uh, the Bateman family. Yep. And there's a lot of them. Um, And the really um, lovely thing about it is that finally – I know who I look like
3: because ah.
2: I found photos of my grandmother and great-grandmother, and I look so much <laughs> like them. It's extraordinary. And uh, I, I spent all my working life in the food industry, mainly in the dairy industry, okay, yep. working in dairy factories as yep. a quality manager. Okay. And it turned out that my grandfather, um, Grandfather Bateman, was a dairy farmer and a cheesemaker wow. who had a property out, just outside of Bega behind the, the Bega dairy factory. And I worked for Bega Cheese for wow. five years. So, you know, it's just extraordinary the, the things that, the coincidences that have sort of come down the line. Yeah. Uh, and sauce. then, of course, um, you know, I'm half Irish, which because they're all Irish Catholic descendants. Ah families, which, you know, Randall's delighted by. You know, he always wanted to marry an Irish girl. He's there He's in love with the Irish music. Yep. So here he is suddenly, he's got an Irish girl. So hey. I'm half Irish, half Kiwi. I'm not quite sure where the Australian comes in anymore, but anyway. <laughs> half Irish, half Kiwi and all Australian. There we go. Would be the answer there. Yep. Yes.
1: So the DNA hmm. searches and all that genealogy sparked a flame Mm. underneath you, I assume, by the looks of that?
2: Absolutely. And um, Randall had a a friend who was also adopted and I convinced him to do his DNA and helped him work out who his parents were and I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. And it was really rewarding. And not long after that, I came across the um, AIA website, uh, a Facebook page. Yeah. And Diane was on the, the hunt for... Volunteer angels, and so I volunteered, and I've been working with her on cases, uh, helping other adoptees since August of twenty twenty. Okay, cool. uh, I've also solved quite a few cases in my own family, um, right. where I've had matches who who didn't know where they fitted in, and and that's been yeah really interesting. Yeah, uh, my most recent case, uh, not really a, a case as such, but the most a, a very recent one. Was that I um, opened up my DNA results last year, August last year, yep. and discovered I had a new match, a new very close match, oh. and um, this turned out to be my new half brother Shane, oh. who um, was also on my also an abatement. We we share the same father, right? So, and he was also adopted, right? So I am wondering, you know, how many more siblings we've got out there because my birth father was single until he was 48. Oh, And always okay. had a girlfriend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there could be more of us yet.
1: Who knows?
2: Yeah. So that was really exciting uh, to find that I've got a younger brother that I can actually get to know. And, yeah. And be part of his life as well and his family's life. So that that's quite recent. Um, Yes, very, very exciting. I've been helping Diane with with cases. I've done about, I think, 15 with Diane now, and I really, really enjoy it, get a lot out of it.
1: And every one would be different and unique, I assume?
2: Oh, absolutely, yes, yes.
1: Because I think Uh, if anything is common or a common thread that runs through the adoption stories is that every single story is unique. I don't... I think there's a possibility that two stories could be the same or similar even. might be a theme, but as far as the uniqueness goes, I think because even my sister and I were both adopted, uh, our stories are completely different um, Mm. and it would be the same across the board.
2: Certainly, my experience, they're all different. Yeah. Yes, don't get me started. I'll be here all night. Yeah,
1: that's it. (laughs) So I guess with that, um, if somebody's thinking about starting their DNA search, Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you have for them? What would be the first step?
2: Well, first of all, the advice that Diane gives around, you know, not contacting people until you know who they are and writing letters, that's really good advice. Letters are a much, much better way to approach um than you know a phone call out of the blue or a message on facebook or anything like that especially if, if it's a birth parent Yeah, uh i definitely support that approach for me look, the, i think the story out of, of for me is that patience you've got to be patient and you and take building relationships with new family when you do find them it takes a long time yeah it it It's not something you're not going to meet your birth parents or birth family and instantly become family. Yeah, you you need to build up trust, and you need to build up shared memories and stories. Stories are so important when you meet family. You know, get them to tell you stories. Tell them your story. Learn people's stories. Learn the family stories. I, I I found that researching the family history of my new family, the, the Baton family, was really, really helpful for me to understand that family, where it had come from, um, why it was what it was. Um, and, you know, I even I even know stories, or found stories that a lot of them didn't know about. Right. Uh, I'm actually something of the family um, historian, the genealogy expert for the family now, even though I'm only a relatively new member of it. Yep. So... I think you're well Not qualified the only one by any means but, but certainly one of them and in this in my generation yeah um I think the only one who's really taken a strong interest in it so and that's that's a great way to get to know your new family is to research the family, get to know who yeah. your cousins are, who your ancestors are, where you've come from, and yeah get to share stories with members of your family, yeah um because creating shared memories is how you start to feel like you, you're part of another family.
1: No, that's that's exactly it. On that note, have you got any other advice for people who are starting out on their journey to get the DNA testing done, um, log on to the... So we get
2: the DNA testing done because yep. otherwise you could do what I've done and go down the wrong path for you know 20 years before you discover the right one.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, not that I regret that at all, yep. uh, obviously. You know, obviously. I've, I've, met my husband through, through the mistake of my birth mother. And I will be always grateful for that, Yep. that that happened. Uh, But that's not going to be like that for everyone. I recognize. So, you know, most people want to find the right family the first time. So DNA is so important. The DNA does not lie. My birth mother made a genuine mistake when she told me who my father was. She, you know, she had had an affair with him um absolutely he could have been my father yeah. turned out he wasn't the dna does not lie about things like that no. so and and she didn't mean to mislead me she genuinely believed yeah. and many birth mothers do genuinely believe that someone else is the father but yeah. it's not always the case so follow the dna um and yeah patience respect understanding kindness, forgiveness. You know, I think that our birth mothers and fathers for that mother, when they've been involved in the process, they've been through a a really, really traumatic event. Yeah. Having and giving up this child. I don't think any of us can begin to imagine how traumatic that was for them. No. And if you go in there and and like I was when I was younger, angry, and demanding, and mm. you know, wanting more. Um, they're just going to push you away, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, and don't write emails when you're drunk. No
1: emails when you're drunk, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. Lesson number one: don't hit control enter. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you very, very much for sharing your story with us, Penny. Um, My pleasure. It's been, yes, quite a journey, um, ups and downs, and some, uh, yeah. Interesting turns, but um, and thank you for your work as a DNA search angel. Um, may you continue working with the with the people who are needing your assistance. Um, thank you very much for being a part of the Adoption Chronicles.
2: Thanks, Mick. My pleasure.
1: That was Penny Matthews and her story of adoption. Uh, if you've got any stories that you'd like to tell. Please hit us a line or drop us a message on the Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. And until next week, stay safe.
0: Selling a little or a lot?